G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Tony McLennan, who's the CEO of the Bible League, is joining us. And Tony is absolutely passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's joining us through this coming hour. You can be part of our conversation, our talkback line open now on 1-800-316-316. Tony McLennan, welcome back to 2020. Well, thank you very much, Neil. It's just a joy to be on the program. And I just want to compliment Vision Christian Radio for the great work you're doing across Australia. And look, I was listening late yesterday afternoon. You were on the radio here on Vision 2 at a live broadcast we were doing out of Sydney. And uh, you were part of the Prayer for the Nation. We've got this initiative that's going right now. Uh, you were part of that. How did you feel about uh, the idea of praying for the nation, the the importance of the call to pray for Australia? Well, I was uh, very glad to be involved. You know, I was just attending the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association seminar in Sydney, orchestrated by George Rodriguez. And, uh, and of course, Will Graham was there. And so it was very, very uh, very momentous for me to be invited to pray for our beloved Australia. I remember something that uh, a great tennis player, well-known tennis player um, of yesteryear, Margaret Court, said, love your nation, love your country. And uh, one of the greatest expressions of love for our nation is to pray for our people to come to a living faith through uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so you were a part of the Billy Graham event that was on in Sydney in Pitt Street yesterday, and it must have been quite an experience to be a part of that group of people who obviously have no doubt that the good news is still good news. I guess there was a real gospel focus on on the sorts of things that they were training those who would be evangelists to be involved in. Well, that that was the point of it. It was an evangelism <clears throat> seminar, and I went along because there are always things to learn, people to meet. It was a great joy to catch up with uh, Bill Newman, who I'd heard preach some years ago, and also to hear you know, Will Graham, of course, the grandson of the, the great Billy Graham and the son of, of course, Leighton uh, Ford, uh, his, uh, his son. And uh, you know, just to hear of uh, uh, what, what uh, Will had to say, uh, very inspirational. And Gary Cobb, one of the team, talking about his own conversion and the, the power of prayer in all of the... Uh, the sessions were on yesterday. Carl Fays was there. There were a number of other speakers. There was uh, David Ruiz from Mexico, very potent, world-class speakers, I'd have to say. You know, it was good listening yesterday afternoon and good to hear those calibre of leaders who were leading the nation in prayer over vision. Uh, look, let's just reflect for a few moments for us on uh, the Bible League because Bible League's been in Australia since the 1970s. And uh, I was interested. I was interested to read, you know, uh, about the uh, Bible League coming to Australia, where back in the 1970s, and you might think that uh, that every household had its own Bible at the time, but actually there was quite a shortage of Bibles, and 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 not every Australian household had Bibles at that time. That's correct. And uh, subsequently, our founding national director Gerald Hanscamp, who praise God is still alive today. Uh, saw to it or headed up a campaign where 1.3 million 
copies of the, the then Living Bible, this preceded the NLT, the Living Bible, were circulated to Australian homes through the cooperation of local churches. So that was very, very well received and brought a real uplift around about the time of the, the bicentenary, I believe. Okay, and the Bible League today, give us a quick snapshot of what the Bible League looks like uh, both in Australia and, and globally, Tony. Well, we serve the local church and other partners around the world and here in Australia and in New Zealand by providing Bibles and, and Bible-related materials for those partners in particular and sometimes ourselves to bring others into a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So we're very pointedly wanting to see that that Bible get traction in terms of its usefulness. And, of course, you're interested in the Bible, not just the printed edition, but uh, also digital editions of the Bible as well. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The printed edition, of course, is not passe by any means because in many cultures we serve, the level of their Internet access or their phone access is very limited. And some people, I think I heard in India that the average uh, holding on a a pay-as-you-go telephone account is only five rupees, which is a very small amount of money indeed. Uh, so people have sort of inched their way along in that country. So uh, even though it's a good way for us to communicate down through a channel, uh, it's not necessarily a good way for people to use it locally and consuming megabytes going into it. But we produced the Digital Bible Library, which has had quite some success, and it can be used where it would be difficult otherwise to get Bibles to people, particularly in countries that are closed to the Gospel. We also have, uh, of course, the cooperation with uh, certain organisations like the uh, Samaritan's Purse. We helped to fund to the tune of about a quarter of a million dollars through the generosity of our donors here in Australia and New Zealand, The Greatest Journey, which uh, was circulated through, you know, how those little boxes go out to to children in places like Thailand and Fiji and PNG and Cambodia. Well, hard on the heels of that, the Samaritan's Purse people engage children with a 12-week uh, session or series of sessions called The Greatest Journey and we were able to through Bible League's uh, arrangements, my predecessor did that, Graham Smith and uh, that was set up with George Rodriguez and um, we were able to provide all those children who wanted to uh, a real course in discovering who God is through Jesus Christ and so that was just marvellous, it extends to many many thousands of children and impacts on families, um, those things going on and you probably also Neil heard of the Dare to be a Daniel, these are local projects in Australia uh, where we got behind uh, George and his team with the, through the BGEA, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and provided the Dare to Be a Daniel series for New South Wales initially and then Australia-wide subsequently. And uh, so we, we do partner with people, and uh, so our, our donors, our supporters, are very, very keen to see God's Word into hands that are hungry to receive it. You know what, I think every listener to this conversation will be heartened to know of the level of cooperation that's going on among organisations like yours, the Bible League, and uh, when you talk about the Samaritan's Purse, and of course uh, that's part of uh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, but all of these different organisations working together for a common cause. And the common cause comes back to what we want to talk about today. The good news is still good news. Tell us just quickly about your own experience with the good news, Tony. I, I, uh, I mentioned a little earlier on your, your background. You were a military officer. Uh, you're also a business coach, a strategic business training. Uh, what is this connection of the good news to Tony McLennan? 
Well, I, I was actually having a chat with a, a chaplain, would you believe, when I was a young army officer, a young captain, at a place called Canungra, not far out of Brisbane. It was a military base there uh, in 1974. And I was asking the chaplain, why did we see miracles taking place in the local church the way you read about it in the early church? And he frankly couldn't give me an answer. He was probably a more traditional uh, person, good man, but uh, I don't think he really at that time uh, understood uh, the gospel. Uh, and there are people who sometimes are in that sort of way. They have a religious background. Anyway, one of my mates who used to be an atheist, well, I, I only remembered him as an atheist at Duntroon, he came into the room at that time and uh, asked to join us, and I thought he was going to come and insult our conversation because he was a pretty radical atheist. And I discovered in the course of the conversation he'd become a Christian, and I was very curious because I thought I was. I'd been brought up in a certain type of church, but um, when I heard Pat talking about the Lord, I knew I wasn't a Christian, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit came upon me, uh, that night I got on my knees and asked Jesus into my life and I became a changed man from the following day and three days later I had a wonderful encounter with God in a, in a little Anglican chapel, would you believe, on that same military base and picked up the Bible the day after and it just exploded into uh, reality for me. I could never read it before that, but it just came alive and and I was just so excited I had to tell everyone about Jesus. So that's how it started for me, uh, uh, Neil. Tony, it's a great story, and I want to invite listeners to be participants in our conversation today. We're asking, is the good news still the good news? You might like to tell us your story of how the good news made a difference to you. And, of course, Tony, beyond a immediate encounter with Christ, sometimes we talk about a conversion experience or that thing that happens in the moment that we first believe. Beyond that, of course, is a, a journey of discipleship. And sometimes uh, there are Christian believers who miss the importance of that discipleship journey. Uh, your own, just quickly, in a nutshell, uh, beyond uh, that initial encounter, how did you get discipled? Was it, uh, was it a, a single person, a mentor? How did that discipleship happen for you? Well, initially, of course, my, my friend Pat uh, encouraged me, even though he was an officer also and went off to New Guinea to serve at the Aviation Corps. He wrote to me and encouraged me, and uh, subsequently God arranged for me to meet a man under rather supernatural experiences in, in Brisbane, and I went on to attend a church, a very, very good church at uh, Mount Cravat at that time, run by Dr. Reginald Klimenok. And uh, just uh, Dr. Klimenok took me under his wing and uh, saw to it that I really absorbed the scriptures. And I became radically obedient to the word of God. So I hadn't been baptized in the full immersion sense. And when I read about that in the scriptures, I said, well, I want what God wants for me. And I think the attitude of the, the new believer has to be not uh, what people say, but what God's word says. Uh, and that is true discipleship. Uh, what does God's word require, God's word require of me, uh, and how can I put that into action? And having a, a mentor alongside one is of tremendous benefit. And uh, so, since I was so well mentored by Dr. Klimenok, and uh, there are subsequently other mentors that came along at different times, and God puts these people in your life. And I just simply say to any new believer or anyone who's recently come to Christ, uh, find someone who attends a Bible-believing, Bible-believing church where you sense the presence of God where the scriptures are coming alive to you and uh, that person stands in good stead with their pastor and with the rest of the church and uh, and listen and relate and grow as you explore the scriptures together. I think that's one of the best things that people can do 
in order to see God's life come fully and uh, in a focused way into their own lives so they can walk the life of obedience, so to speak. It's interesting that the good news affects not only our eternal destiny, but also our life as it is today. And sometimes I uh, reflect on a fork in the road where that encounter with Jesus Christ sends us in a different direction to what we were headed uh, on our own volition. And uh, and so this diversion, this diversion or different direction that we go, uh, a new life in Christ, follower of Jesus Christ, we were headed in a certain direction. Do you ever reflect, Tony, on where you'd be right now had you not had uh, that encounter with Jesus Christ? Well, actually, it's, it would be an absolutely horrible thought, a horrible thought, Neil. Uh, I was reflecting on it the other day, and I remembered how, even though I was reasonably successful to be a graduate of the Royal Military College, you've got to have something going for you to even graduate. Uh, To be an officer in the Army, that was uh, something of an achievement. I actually founded, would you believe, the Queensland Orienteering Association whilst I was in Queensland. And um, so I had quite a number of achievements behind me. But when I was attending a radio session one night, and um, this is before I was saved, uh, there were some young people who had just been interviewed by uh, a Dr. Lou. I don't know if you remember him, but he used to be on, on the radio quite a bit in, in Brisbane. And uh, I was going in to be interviewed about the fact that we were setting up this Queensland Orienteering Association. And I saw these young people gathered in the sort of the ante room uh, after having been interviewed, and they were just talking to each other. And I just noticed that they had something that I didn't have. And uh, I, I just—it was so so clear to me. And I, I also remember uh, going to see the film before this, uh, the film Jesus Christ Superstar, which I know many born again Christians have bagged because it's not exactly scriptural in every detail. In some details, it is. Uh, but such was the impact on me. I remember my wife and I walking along George Street in Sydney after seeing that that film. And we just felt so hollow and lost inside. And I'd never want to go back to that because when I was filled with the Holy Spirit on that military base in that little Anglican chapel, the great joy unspeakable flooded my being and it's been there ever since. And uh, uh, it just would be like going back to a nightmare uh, by comparison, Neil. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. The good news is still good news. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to contribute to our conversation this hour. Tony McLennan is our guest. He's the CEO of the Bible League in Australia. Tony, as we reflect on the good news, I know you like to use a certain terminology, being armed with the good news, having a military background. Uh, There's an interesting uh, way to talk about having the good news and, and carrying that with you. Uh, for people who are not so familiar with what the good news is, how do you describe it to people in a nutshell so that it's easy to understand? Well, I'd have to reflect the words of Will Graham yesterday, grandson of Billy Graham, in as much as the, the very first aspect of, of the good news actually begins with bad news. Uh, that's a, a paradox, isn't it? Uh, isn't it, yes, it is. Uh, the bad news is that uh, we are all sinners lost and heading for a eternity in hell. That, that is very bad news. And when you, if you said that boldly to people, it would be very disconcerting for them, and they may not want to be your friend. 
because I think that you're trying to scare them or something like that. And so that has unfortunately brought the tendency for people to skirt around the subject of sin. And I've even seen some magazines with sinners' prayers in them that have nothing, no reference to sin or repentance. So, so in starting off the good news, the good news, is, to make it relevant, is a person must know what their spiritual state is. And using the way of life little presentation of the gospel, which you've seen me use uh, on one's iPhone or smartphone, uh, we ask the question... Uh, what do you think is the point of life? And a person might respond and say, well, happiness. And uh, then they'll say, well, what happens to happiness when someone dies? And they'll say, well, we go to a happy place, all of which is airy-fairy and fantastic, and of course not true. And then you ask the question, well, how can you know that that's the truth? And then you move more into the message with what we call the two diagnostic questions that were framed by Dr. D. James Kennedy, who founded the Evangelism Explosion series, and that question is, do you believe it's possible for a person to know for sure they're going to go to heaven when they die? And then the next question is, of course, uh, if you were to die tonight, God forbid, Neil, we don't want that to happen, and you were to stand before God in heaven and he were to say to you, Neil, why should I let you into my heaven? What would your answer be? And those simple interview-type questions, we interview people rather than telling them straight off. And that interview helps them to self-discover the fact that they are sinners, and then we illustrate that in a semi, not not humorous way, but in a light-hearted way, showing that if um, you've got a beautiful black forest cake, and we'd all love one of those, uh, but if it has a dessert spoonful of kerosene in the mixture, it certainly wouldn't make the master chef test, and uh, the taste test would be out the window in no time at all, and that just explains that we are, in fact, soaked in sin. We we are we have sin all through us and we have to be delivered of it and that's the d disastrous situation we're in but along comes God's solution and the, the solution is Jesus so that's all laid out in our way of life presentation I won't do it over the phone here or over the radio program now but if if listeners want to get hold of that I believe it's a simple and elegant way of moving into a spiritual conversation actually presenting the gospel so the very first part of the good news is bad news the second part of the good news is that God has provided his solution. That solution is Jesus, uh, Christ uh, crucified, buried, and risen again uh, for us. And then, of course, the ongoing good news is the power of the Holy Spirit to help us live a life that is sanctified, that is made holy by God, and victorious, and an overcoming life one that is set free from all of the all of the little crutches that or big crutches that people assemble around them no need for them anymore alcohol's out the window smoking's out the window drugs are out the window illicit sex is no, no longer uh, any source of happiness all those things go because the radiant power of God's at work in our life so those three things the bad news we're sinners the second one is that God has provided the solution in the person of Jesus and the third aspect of it is what life is like once we enter into that relationship with God, the life of victory, the life of overcoming, the life of fullness of joy. I'm interested in the way that you're communicating that because what I can hear is that you're not there to beat, ra beat people around the ears uh, with some sort of a nagging message, but actually bringing people to a point where they also appreciate the truth and the light that you actually bring when you present the good news. An important issue there, isn't there? Not to be a, a nagging type of a person, but to actually bring that in a way that leads people to Christ rather than, uh, than uh, has some sort of a, you know, a heavy uh, belt you over the ears expectation. 
Absolutely, Neil. I, I couldn't have put it more clearly uh, than if I'd said so myself. The, the reality is, let's look at the example of the Lord Jesus. What did he say to Nathaniel? Here is a man who in all of Israel is without guile. Now, Nathaniel has been bagging Jesus indirectly when he was talking to Philip uh, just before that. And, uh, and, and here he is saying, here is a man who in all of Israel is without guile. And then we go to uh, the example of, of Nicodemus, where Jesus just very mildly says to him that you must be born again. He doesn't sort of upbraid him for being an ignoramus or anything like that. He just gets straight in. And the woman at the well, he just gently compliments her on the fact that she reveals the fact that she uh, has no husband. Of course, he knew all along that she'd had five husbands, and the one that he was, she was with was no longer was not her husband. But he said, in the fact that you said you have no husband, you've spoken the truth. So, so Jesus approached with people that he was uh, ministering to, that he was sharing the good news with, uh, was one of, um, of, of a supportive, inviting conversation, not a condemning, uh, exclusive conversation. I've seen people doing both, and uh, if you ask the people who have the con- condemnatory approach, who uh, want to make sure people are convinced that they're sinners, uh, that, that's, a, that's a, a thing we can leave to the Holy Spirit. We, we need to talk about sin, we need to talk about the fact that it's a dire situation to be in, that people are trapped in it, but we also need to talk about the fact that Jesus sets us free from that uh, once we put our trust in him, and that freedom... Uh, is just something that you you couldn't pay a billion dollars for it. it that's that's how good that is. And Tony, coming up to news, and I'll I'll cut in when we have to. But this yes. idea of bringing good news is coming from the lips of a friend, not from someone who is actually coming with a message of condemnation. Exactly. If it is a message of condemnation out front, it's a great way to lose a friend, and it becomes quite repulsive. You know, the letter kills. The Bible says. But the Spirit gives life. So when the Holy Spirit is guiding us, we're saying things that are designed to encourage and build people and help them to evaluate. You know, when I'm sharing the good news using the way of life presentation I referred to earlier, I encourage people to evaluate what I'm saying so that they're seeing this, that that's their decision and it's for them to evaluate, not for me to to insist that they believe, albeit, of course, it's what I believe and what I've experienced. Tony, I'll cut in. We'll come back after the news. We'll continue our conversation. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. We'll take calls after the news. Robin is in Mount Morgan. Hello, Robin. Welcome along to 2020. Yes, hi. Um, this, I could go on many tangents with this subject, and I was going to talk about my own conversion, but I'm, I'm going to go for a general road because um, I'm totally with you, Tony, on... Um, not being bombastic with religion as, as other people see it and, and being loving and gentle. But, but sometimes you don't have to say much and these people, well, I, I realise it's conviction because they start fighting you, you know, they, they, can, they sense it. And um, my, my siblings are a, a case in point in particular because, you know, I've just had to withdraw from them because um, they, they just come on really heavy on me and I can't even... I, I'm not. I know not to say anything generally about the Bible and whatever. But um, um, you know, they. Uh, anyway, my brother recently, I had another go at um, you know visiting him, and um, we were getting on fine. We were talking about history. Had so much in common about talking about history. And the funny thing is, a lot of the history he was talking about is covered in the Bible. Mm. And I was trying to trying to resist 
saying, yeah, it's in the Bible, it's in the Bible. But then finally I sort of just gently started commenting and he was listening. Great, finally. Because then he would ask me, well, where is Babylon? You know, and I said, oh, it's in Iraq. And so we were talking this way and going on fine. And then he was going on about the way the world is today. He says, you know, it's really bad that the, the, the world is just getting really, really bad. And people, people are getting so bad. And He said, you can't trust anybody anymore. He says, and, and he was going and he was saying, um, oh, what's happening? Why, why are the people are so bad? Mm. And I said, it, I couldn't resist. And I said, it's called S-I-N. Oh, boy. <laughs> that started it all. Uh, let's get some thoughts from Tony. Uh, Tony, on on what Robin is sharing, and sometimes difficult, isn't it, uh, sharing the gospel with family members? Uh, but yes. uh, your reflection on what of what Robin's sharing? Well, the the, uh, the thing is that if we could just revert to a sales type situation, I don't know if you're familiar with sales at all, Robin. I'm but not there, are, there are people in sales. They talk about people who are prospective clients or prospective customers. And there are people that are not uh, at particular times. And the, the one thing you know that you've got a prospective customer, a prospective client, is that the person's prepared to sit down with you and go through a presentation. Now, the presentation would be, you know, why this piece of real estate's good or why this insurance policy is a good one for you, the sort of thing that you'd expect a salesperson to take you through. Now, unless we can actually sit down and show what the gospel of Jesus is about to people, we'll get into little itsy-bitsy arguments with people what what our job is as soul winners is to put that net out and to see whether people are going to swim into it and and so i would encourage you to uh, take hold of the idea of with your brother and as I, as I have with my brother there's one of my brothers who um i get is getting closer and closer uh, over many years uh, to being receptive and i know he, he'll give his heart to the lord I just know this by faith that God will give me every one of my brothers and sisters and through them uh, all their families. Uh, it's just something that I prayed for and I just keep storming the gates of heaven over it uh, that not one of them will be lost. Mm. And so that's, that's the first presentiment we have where we're praying for them because something that Gary Cobb said at the BGEA, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association seminar I attended yesterday, is that God bottles our tears. He, he, he doesn't waste any of our tears. Actually, it says he puts them in golden censers. Uh, and you don't put something in a golden censer unless you value it. And so your tears for your brother uh, or any other members of your family uh, are not wasted before God. So if you get a negative reaction, that's a very good sign because you're stirring up, obviously, those either the spirits or his own soul life that's resisting the whole idea of surrendering to God. But the answer is praying for an opportunity to actually do a presentation of the gospel. And we've made it a little bit easier for you in as much as we have put it so you can actually go through it like a PowerPoint presentation on your mobile phone uh, and uh, just take them through so they can evaluate it. I'd just like you to evaluate this. What's his name, your brother? Just uh... Uh, Lex, but no, he's not going to, um, he's not going to listen to that. That's well, that's all right. That, that's fine. That, that, that's all right. You've made the offer. No, but, uh, you know, the thing is... Um, it, that's what I was trying to say. There's a big thing yes. of pride there. But before yes. all this, um, like yes. he's been, we, we've, we've really suffered as children and uh, we I haven't see. really had a nurturing mother. And Lex, right. was, he was so, um, he, he started crying and he was telling me about some experience 
he had just been right. talking to this lady and uh well when did he start said, crying while you were talking to him or well, at some yes um, this was before i went up there he, he yes. on the phone see he's he's really really hurting very very yes. hurting Yes. And I know that Jesus is the one that can help him. But see, yes. this is what I mean. My, my siblings have got their back up against me. See, they know that I've changed. They know it, but they keep on trying to force me back into what I was. Mm, and they, mm. They're not happy about the change in me. And how long has this been the case, Robin, that you've oh, been changed? Um, well, since I was 19. So, and so probably how many years ago? Or probably you don't want I'm, to say that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a um, number of years ago. Yeah. So, so you you are the seed that God's planting into that family to bring the radiant life of Christ to all the others. Well, I, I even had a pro- prophetic word that way. There and you go. I well, know then, that's then the God's case. echoing that in my hearing as well. And and the reality is that you are, you are never to give up because you will triumph. You see, the gospel always yeah. triumphs. And uh, and your witness is standing there like a not just like some sort of um, dimly burning wick or you know smoking flax. Your no. witness is a radiant candle. It's a radiant light for the Lord. That's right. And and that's why you're having these conversations. Exactly. So every conversation you have is in the right direction. And you're not harping. You no. say, look, I'd love you to actually see what this presentation is about. Uh, and if he doesn't buy it, that that's all right. You've, the fact no, that no, you're no, offered. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Even mm. if I don't mention, and I I know not to because they are on on me like a ton of Brits. Yes. I, but even when I talk about um, something, some history or in the world or whatever, I never know when they're going to turn on me. And, and I'm yes. telling you, they really turn on me. That yes. he he accused me of being like the Muslims. You know, all the night he was the one talking about the way the world was, and he kept mm. on mentioning things about history that I knew mm. was yes. mentioned in the Bible. And he even said to me, "Do you know about?" Because he'd say, "Do you know about this?" Do you know? And I'd say, "Yes," but I didn't say it was in the Bible. I just just mm. said, "Yes, yes." And then he said, "Do you know about the Hittites?" <laughs> I nearly, I nearly, um, and I said, "I just said yes." I didn't say it was in the Bible, but um, and he was going on and on and and all of that. And I did manage a little bit. That was a good thing. Is he is interested in the history and whatever. And I've tried to tell them, look, I don't believe in just religion. I believe in serving the truth, just whatever's mm. true. Yes. And I, I aim for that, Tr- whatever's true uh, and whatever's <clears throat> of love. Yes. And, you know, and so well, I can just well, every you, now and again. Well, I you're think, absolutely on the right track. Uh, may I say, have you actually shared your testimony of how you came to be saved with them? Well, I, I can't. Yeah, but uh, they won't let me. They won't let well, you that's all right. That's all right. That, look, the fact that someone repels doesn't mean to say that they're actually absolutely closed. It's just that they're experiencing spiritual pain. And the enemy, of course, is redoubling his efforts to make sure that we are repulsive. You know, Paul said that we are a sweet savour unto God of life for those that are choosing life. But we are also a sweet savour unto death of those who would choose death and who are sufficient for these things. So there's a sense in which when we communicate the things of life, the Holy Spirit things to others, because they are in death as a realm, uh, these things are not savoury to them. Okay? But they still, have a to- they still have a telling effect. And God's building bridges across from him through you to them by so doing. Now, you're not having arguments with them and then allowing you to have arguments with them. So you just retreat, pray and pray for the opportunity, or pray for God to come send someone else to speak into their lives. There's so many people who come to Christ because a, a loving relative has laid a foundation that someone else has come along and reaped 
and brought those. And that happened to me when I was on the plane with a man. His wife had been quite a godly woman, but he was an atheist and a communist, and he came to the Lord right there and then on the plane. But uh, his, his wife had actually sown the gospel into his life. So there's that to encourage you. But you will, you will have the victory, Robin. You will have the victory because you're on the winning team. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. The good news is still good news. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Tony McLennan, the CEO of the Bible League. Tony, if there was a lesson to be learned out of the conversation just gone and uh, having heard from Robin, uh, the idea of uh, the instantaneous uh, person coming to Christ because they hear the good news the first time Uh, That's not to be expected in every case. It takes a long time, often, for people to come to faith in Christ. Yeah, and this is one of the mysteries, but I believe that God uses it uh, for his glory. Uh, I can give the example of uh, when I went to see my parents after I got saved. I left the traditional church we were involved in. They were aghast. And then uh, my mother was peeling carrots at the sink, and I was having a cup of tea just sitting over next to the fridge in the kitchen of our house, and... And she started telling me about young boys that had gone off the rails since they'd left my school, and uh, one into drugs, one divorce, one into alcohol. And, uh, and uh, I started to cry. It was the Holy Spirit overtook my heart, and I just cried with great grief for these boys. My mother couldn't handle it. She said, uh, what is it? What is it? And I said, it's the Holy Spirit weeping for these lost souls. And I'm sure there's many people, including Robin, our dear sister, who was on the line earlier, who may have actually felt that. Uh, and uh, my mother went back to peeling her carrots, would you believe, Neil? She didn't know what to say. And then she said to me, you know, if you can do something for your sister, I'll know that whatever you're into is really from God. And so I took up that challenge, rang my sister, uh, went over to see her, and when we were saying grace, uh, she didn't want to say grace, but I said, do you mind if I say grace? And she said, okay, you must. And while I was saying grace, the Holy Spirit fell upon my sister. She started to cry, and her exact words to me were, I want to know him the way you know him. Straight away she came to Christ, removed everything bad and filthy out of her house, was once wonderfully um, baptized in, in, in the water, and subsequently came to know the Lord very intimately. And all her family has come to Christ, and my mother and father, seeing that, they too came to Christ. You see, so God will use uh, some outstanding miracles, and we must expect these miracles from him. Salvation is, after all, a real miracle, but it takes some time. Now, there are many members of my family who haven't come to Christ yet, but there are quite a few that have, and their example is starting to uh, have an effect. Now, we have a, a, a project in Bible League, which has been running for many years, called Project Philip, Neil. Yep. And Project Philip is really about just sitting down with someone and taking them through, say, five lessons out of the Gospel of John and then subsequent lessons in the Bible itself. Now, Bible League does this worldwide, and in the last two years we've trained 160,000 people as Philips to take people through these 25 lessons, and they've reached for Christ 38 million people real salvations real transformations and we even have it built into the prison bible project philip and that's why wonderful listeners from vision christian radio supported that program uh, what was called hope behind bars neil i recall it was a very successful and uh, great opportunity to focus on prisons and uh, reaching out to prisoners 
Yeah, and wonderful. And that we've been able to circulate many thousands of prison Bibles in Australia and now more recently in New Zealand. So we, we have to look at what was Philip's example. It's very simple. It was Acts chapter 8, verse 35. So if anyone's listening, Acts 8, verse 35, it says, And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he preached to him Jesus. So you take those three things that he explained to the man that he was talking to as recorded in Acts chapter 8. He opened his mouth, he began with the scripture, and he spoke about Jesus. So that was Philip's example. And the legacy of Philip was that the eunuch has described in Acts chapter 8, he went back having received the Lord into his life and been baptized, went back to Ethiopia and proclaimed the gospel. And tradition tells us his name was Simon Buco and that he was responsible for sowing the gospel into the entire nation of Ethiopia. So back in the 1930s, for example, the emperor of Ethiopia, Haile Selassie, was a Christian, and there was a tremendous legacy that flowed right back to that man. We are taking and, calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take one from Jonathan from Perth in WA. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along. Jonathan, are you with us? Jonathan, what are your thoughts? I think we've got Jonathan, a distinct, uh, the, line. the phone line is very poor quality and uh, you might like to give us a call back on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. You'll need to be quick though, we're running out of time. Uh, Jonathan from Perth in WA. Uh, yes, well, we're talking about Philip and uh, Philip, of course, a good example uh, Tony, when we talk about sharing the gospel and you're talking about a presentation, it's interesting yeah. when when you talk about doing a presentation, <clears throat> taking people through a number of steps, because sometimes people are introduced to the gospel with a scattergun approach, a little bit here, a little bit there, and it doesn't all gel together if you don't have a, a more full presentation. Exactly, and I think that every Christian walking with the Lord wants to be able to explain uh, how they've come to Christ and how the other person can come to know Jesus as the saviour of the world uh, right then and there. And so that's why it says always be ready in, in Peter's epistle to give an answer for the hope that's within you. So that's why we've provided the way of life, uh, which one can use in one's iPhone, or the touch of his hand, which is a booklet Bible League provides. So people can sit down as part of Project Philip and take people through a number of very short lessons that look at this whole subject of... Um, does God exist? What's God like? Uh, what in the world has gone wrong? If you were God, how would you fix all that? Is God really interested in you? And how will everything turn out for you? Those are very, very poignant and applicable questions for people. So I'd recommend that if listeners want to get hold of the, the way of life or the the touch of his hand, they just simply need to uh, contact Bible League at info at bl.org.au and we'll be happy to provide soft copies of those for people to trial should they wish to do so. And let's that's take really <clears throat> sorry, Neil. Go ahead. I was going to say, I was, let's take another call. Uh, yes. Wendy is in Queensland. Hi, Wendy. Welcome along. Hello. Yes, um, I really feel that there is, um, as the Word of God says in the Book of Revelation, that um, in you know in the last days, Satan having great wrath, seeing his time is short. Yeah, Revelation twelve um, you know, verse five. Is, is it just war, waging war against humanity and the young people and using every tool imaginable to, to ensnare our youth and snare and and you know it's, it's it's even affecting the church I feel because of the stories you hear on the Christian radio and if and, and the Bible's called us to be salt and light 
in this world that is perishing. And, and Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. He looked at the multitudes. Mm. And I feel that as a great basis to witness to people. So because they Absolutely. are going to God, what God says, they're going to hell without Jesus. So that should mm. be that that should be our our dynamite in us to you know the the power of God in us to want to reach out and win people before they get snatched into yes. the fires of hell. Wendy, yes. good thoughts in there. Tony, your response to what Wendy's saying? Well, I think uh, Wendy's absolutely on, on the right track. i just add that uh, the reason we win souls primarily is for the glory of God. We, we give glory to, to God, our Father and our, His Son, Jesus Christ, by bringing others to Him. You know, you, you, you're, you're bringing them to Jesus so that they may come to know God. And, uh, of course, the consequence of that is they are set free from uh, sin and bondage set free from the devil's uh, wrath, as you mentioned it earlier. But they're also they come into this this wonderful overcoming life that is so very much part of walking in the power of the gospel. And you're quite right, the, the gospel is the power of God bringing about salvation. So, uh, as we declare that, we're showing a great act of mercy to people around us, and that sure, therefore we shouldn't be dissuaded by sometimes their negative reactions. Thank you to Wendy from Queensland for your input and we probably won't have time for any more calls but uh, good and uh, thank you to those listeners who were were a part of this conversation this hour. If we were reflecting on Australia and the environment in which we are called to share the gospel in Australia, what are your thoughts on on Australians and their receptivity to the gospel, Tony? Well, people in Australia are very receptive if we give them an opportunity in the context of prayer uh, I went to a church not so long ago which was uh, really um, de- in decline and we implemented a prayer for the lost and presenting the gospel and parenting spiritually those who were coming to Christ and they, they were able to testify they saw more people coming to Christ in that year than they'd had in the 16 or 17 previous years that that particular minister had been there. So what I'm saying is the receptiveness is there if we pray for the lost and then, of course, seek opportunities to share with the very people we're praying for the gospel. So we, we have all this lined out in a little seminar we run for churches and for uh, groups that wish to have it run called Bringing Others to Jesus. But on an individual basis, probably the question really is, Paul, uh, uh, Neil rather, what sort of tools are available? One of the tools that we can readily make available is the Way of Life presentation. We can also make available the Touch of His Hand presentation. They're available in soft copy for people to evaluate, and they could then use those as they engage people with the gospel. And that's how they can get involved. God's will for Australia is that Australia would be a blood-washed nation, that a great revival would be sweeping across our land, and that um, thousands, millions of people will come to Christ. And that will depend on uh, us praying for the lost and raising up you know, at least uh, five to 10,000 people across our nation who will readily share the gospel with others at every opportunity God gives them. If we do that, then we're going to see our nation turn around in the next five to 10 years. Well, I'll point people to the Bible League website and you mentioned some great resources that are available when people go online. It's www.bl, so very simple to remember, blforbibleleague.org.au, bl.org.au. And uh, just great getting your insights uh, today, Tony McLennan and uh, CEO of the Bible League. You're doing a fabulous work. I want to honour you for that and honour you for your passion because I know that you are a red-hot 
a sharer, a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news has never lost its power. It hasn't lost its power today and it won't lose its power as we are proclaimers of this good news about Jesus Christ. That It starts with bad news, uh, the alert that our lives are touched by sin and that we need to have someone who will set us free from the consequences of sin. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ. That good news never loses its power. Amen. Well, thank you, Neil. And I just wanted to say, if people are looking at our website, just to send us an email on info at bl.org.au, and we'll send those materials to them. bl.org.au. Thanks so much, Tony. Thank you very much, Neil. It's been a pleasure to be on the program. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.